Well, today, here we are finishing out uh, our Christmas in Exile series, where we, for the past four weeks, have been looking at the hope, the joy, the love, and today, the peace of Christmas that comes to us in our year of exile, this year of disillusionment, of loss, of many of us depression and anxiety, of fear and hopelessness. And so as we come to our final week in Christmas and exile, getting to actually get to the week right before Christmas, what we're gonna do today is we're gonna read Luke chapter two, verses one through 20, get a little bit of the Christmas story in there for us. And then we're gonna jump back to Isaiah chapter nine, where we'll read from there. So we'll read Luke two, Isaiah nine, I'll pray for us. And then we'll get into our teaching today. So Luke chapter two, beginning in verse one. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared there to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly with that angel, a multitude of the heavenly host appeared, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from the shepherds into heaven, they then said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has now made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and there the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all there in the manger who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, hearing this, treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Isaiah chapter nine, beginning in verse two. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as when they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in fire will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given and the government shall be on his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Father, as we sang just a moment ago, may we today come and adore Christ the Lord. May we like Mary upon hearing of this good news, ponder in our hearts and wonder, treasure it up to discern and to see what it means for us in our world today. May we like the shepherds glorify and praise you. May I like the shepherds come with this word to make known the good news of great joy to us today. Give us ears to ear, hear, eyes to see. Give us hearts to feel the good news that is your son's birth. In your name we pray. Amen. As Isaiah said there in the middle of chapter nine, for to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given and the government shall be on his shoulder. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. If that isn't good news of great joy in 2020, enough to make you do a lap around the block or at the very least sigh in relief or crack a smile, I'm not sure what bunker you've been in, what time machine, what DeLorean you just got out of or what planet you've been on. Because what I've discovered over the past year, and I'm sure you have too, is the deepest desire of my heart coming out of 2020, the deepest desire and even the deepest need that I feel is for peace. The Hebrew word that Isaiah uses in Isaiah 9 and the, uh, the word that Jesus would have known in his day is this Hebrew word shalom. More than just the absence of conflict, peace is the world and all of its relationships, as complex as it may be, in a state of completeness, of wholeness, restored peace. It's been the opposite of what we've experienced in the darkness of this past year. With back in March, the COVID-19 pandemic coming its way across our world and continuing to hold it in darkness is now uh, over a million uh, have died from it, over 323,000 Americans due to COVID-19. In our attempts to fight back this pandemic, the economic fallout that has led to so many businesses falling apart, jobs being lost, in the midst of this, the uh, wealth inequality within our world almost seems to grow wider and wider as we continue to place essential workers working on the front lines, not just only in healthcare, of course, but in so many of these areas. We've seen apart from the pandemic, but within it, the racial injustice within our own nation and the violence that has come up in the midst of it all. You see, there's been a question in the chaos that we've all been asking. Who will shoulder the government? Who will carry? Who will bring peace and joy? Who will establish and uphold justice and righteousness? This was the question behind the presidential debates earlier this year. It is the question behind each and every single one of those mayor's updates that we all potentially, maybe you don't, but we watch on a regular basis. It's the question that you walked into the ballot booth or that you sat down at your kitchen table to fill it out. It's the question behind the protest. It's the question behind violence within our nation. Who shoulders the government? Who will bring joy and peace? Who will uphold and establish justice and righteousness? It's an Isaiah 9 question. 
on November 7th, that Saturday after election Tuesday this year, we had a sort of secular Isaiah 9 as, as Joe Biden took the stage and together we looked at him and said, behold, the one who has the government of the world on his shoulders. And then over the past month, we found a denial and outflight rejection of others who uphold the current president, Donald Trump, as the one with whom he shoulders the government. He is our hope for joy and peace in establishing it. But the thing is, is that as you look throughout human history, and I have no doubt will continue into human future, is as you look to each and every single one of the people we lay the government on their shoulders, what we find is underneath that weight, we see a manifestation or an, an outbringing of what was already there, corruption and selfishness of greed, either advancing injustice or turning a blind eye to injustice as long as it profits me of violence, of deceit, and even at best, hypocrisy and failure. As you look throughout history, as you look to the future, this is the state we find ourselves in. But the fact is, it doesn't stop us from trying, does it? Because every four years comes around and everybody, we all once again, here we go. Who's next, we ask. Is, it, he's, he's, is this the one who's going to get it right this time? And then like a pack mule, we load them up with all of our expectation and all of our hope only to have it be taken from us. And then just a four years, just long enough for us to somehow forget as we go back into the ballot booth looking again. Like so many find themselves within our world or within the city of Los Angeles, we are in a sort of spiral of debt, using debt to try to fix debt. We're paying off credit cards with credit cards in an attempt to get out of the circumstance. We throw the problem at the problem. We throw humans at the human problem thinking it will fix it. Our endless search for one to shoulder the government is only one symptom of what we could call a New York Times Christmas. Now, what in the world am I talking about? A couple of years ago, there's a New York Times ad that ran about the meaning of Christmas. And what it said was this, the meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph and we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. We will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. You and I, humans, us, we have the light within us. And so we, or, or maybe one of us, will be able to lead us, to carry the government on their shoulders, to dispel the darkness of poverty and pandemics, of racism and injustice, of violence and evil. But human history, and as I said, human history and human future shows us, if peace is on us, if the government is truly on our shoulders, Christmas in the New York Times definition is a very dark holiday. We're sunk. Vaclav Havel, he was the first president of the Czech Republic as he came into his government rulings. He saw not only the evils of, of socialism and capitalism at its worst, but, but saw what happens when science goes unfettered without morality. It leads to things like the genocide of the Holocaust. He saw all of these varying ideologies, all of these hopes in human science, and in every single turn, he continually repeated these words, that humanity cannot save itself. No human ideology, no human strength. Our shoulders are just not strong enough to carry the burden. But Clav Havel, he found himself agreeing with the prophet Isaiah, who just before what we read in chapter nine, at the end of chapter eight, verse 22 says, and they will look to the earth, is talking about us humans, look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness and the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. 
This land of deep darkness that he continues there in verse two of chapter nine that we read, this is the sort of looking to the earth for hope. Looking down here, looking to us for one whose shoulders are strong enough. It is the New York Times Christmas that we will be strong enough. It is the John Lennon's Imagine. It is secular humanism. It is what uh, psychiatrists are now referring to in the midst of 2020, starting to give language to toxic positivity. Giving a positive outlook on something that is quite negative instead of naming it for what it is. This is what happens as we look to the earth, whether that's in government rulers or maybe for you, you're not political, but we all look to the earth. We all look to something, to us, to ourselves, to our little tribal group of whatever that may be, to others in relationships, to what others can give us within those relationships, what we can achieve. We all are looking and trying to put on human shoulders the weight of our need for peace. Humanity cannot save itself, Havel says. Isaiah, we are a people who walk in deep darkness. You see, Christmas, unlike the New York Times and some of those songs may have, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Unless these songs, excuse me, uh, unlike these songs would have you believe. Christmas, as it truly exists, and what it truly is, is actually the most unsentimental way of looking at this world. Because its story is set in the darkness of a broken world with corrupt governments and humanity's weak shoulders. How's this for a happy Christmas? <laughs> well, let's get, let's get, okay. I, went, I came to hear about the baby Jesus, Ryan. Quit, this is, I'm supposed to be getting happy right now. What is this? Well, just think back to me, this story. How is this so dark if it's about a baby Jesus? Think back to the story that we read in Luke. Think back to that baby born in the city of David. Why was he born in Bethlehem? From Nazareth, why wasn't he born in Nazareth? Why Bethlehem? Because Caesar, Caesar, the global superpower of the day, wanted to raise taxes. So he told everyone, go home, sign up, and then pay up. In the beginning of Luke chapter two, we find it is Caesar's world. And unless you're quite stupid, you shrug your shoulders and you do as you're told. It's how it was then and how it was now. But what next in the midst of that story? For to us, those living in the world of a Caesar set status quo, a child is born. For to us, in a world where the rich get rich at the expense of the poor and the empires claim peace through violence, a son has been given. In the midst of all that, we find news of a different king and a different kingdom. This son of David being born and coming up right under the nose of Caesar and the empires of the world. There's a reason why, if you've read the, the, the fullness of the Christmas story, that Herod, the ruler over the day and age of, of the land where Jesus was born, wanted him dead. Why? Because either he heard of it or he knew that Isaiah's vision, Isaiah's hope for this coming child would come true. Go back. You think I'm crazy. Let's go back to verse four and five of chapter nine. What does Isaiah write? For the yoke of their burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of the oppressor you have broken. For those enslaved by force or by debt or by both, this is good news of great joy. He says in verse five, every boot of the tramping warrior, every garment rolled in blood will be burned. For those fleeing from wars and suffering under violence, this is good news of great joy. This coming child, what's happening in Christmas is this child king who has come to break and burn Herod, Caesar, humans' ways of bringing about peace silencing others, slavery, 
violence. This is what he's come to deal with. And so maybe the reason why we make a a spiritualization, or I would just say maybe an over-spiritualization of Christmas, why we don't feel the full effect of this good news of great joy, why it's slow to reach those of us here that are listening today is because for many of us, all of us, if you're watching this on some sort of smart device on the west side of Los Angeles, are quite insulated within our Western comforts. In many cases, through the very things that Jesus has come to break and burn. You see, Christmas, for many in this world, is not good news of great joy. It is bad news because your reign is up and this is not the world that's coming. As we're gonna sing in a minute with, O holy night, chains shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name, all oppression shall cease. And so for those of us listening here on the west side of Los Angeles or watching today, you may not be a slave or a refugee, but don't you desire to live in this sort of world? Have you reached disillusionment with human shoulders, whether theirs and the problems on a global level or yours and the problems on a personal? Have you found yourself living this year in what Isaiah called the gloom of anguish as you look for solutions here at the earth. As Isaiah foretold, and then later Luke would announce, this new world that you desire, this new sort of being that you long for has actually been born in our midst. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. To us, a child is born. This child born is God in the flesh. This is what Christmas is all about. And if Christmas doesn't mean anything else, at the very least, the fact that God becomes human means this physical world and its problems, our world matters to God. If God was simply concerned with your spiritual well-being or where you're going to go when you die, then why didn't Jesus just stay in heaven? Why take on flesh? Why become human? Why enter into our story? Why suffer under Caesar's set status quo? You see, he's not simply trying to save you so you can go to heaven when you die. He is bringing his kingdom here. Christmas is about Jesus, the Christ King, the one who has and will and fully will when he returns, stop wars, forgive debts, free slaves, and establish justice and righteousness on earth. How does this come about? How do these four titles take place? Well, if you've been with us over this past year through the story of justice or through Mark's gospel, then you know. We've seen Jesus as the wonderful counselor as we've gone through Mark's gospel, finding Jesus not as a dictator, but as gentle and lowly as he meets each individual where they are. He counsels, he comprehends and knows what they need most and he meets it. Not just meeting with individuals on an individual basis, but confronting corrupt political and religious systems within his day and age. We have seen Jesus, the Christ, the mighty God who comes and feeds the hungry, heals the sick, casts out demons, forgives sin, calms storms, restores creation. Could anyone else have shoulders as strong as the mighty God himself? We have seen the everlasting father mirrored in this here, Jesus, the incarnate son, giving himself totally to his beloved world. He is not an absentee father 
who is okay with simply sending monthly checks over to his kids down here on earth so they can make it by. He is the father who lives in the world that he has made with his children in the midst of its brokenness. And even more, he is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. As he rules with justice and righteousness, peace increases as Isaiah writes. Truly, Isaiah, Christmas is about the fact that there can be no peace without justice. And that is exactly what Jesus has come to bring. We see this in his arrival as he moves throughout his world, putting things right. The kingdom of God, his kingdom of peace in him is as Jesus put it at the beginning of his ministry at hand. It has arrived. But his peace is not weak like Caesar's using violence or terror or death on the backs of people. Rather, his peace is the great reversal where this king comes and he takes the violence, terror, and death on his pack for his people. In the great reversal, he breaks the staff of political and economic oppression that was on our shoulders by carrying it on his shoulders in his cross. So something new might take place in us. And even greater still, he was able to break the staff of not just economic, not just political, not just governmental oppression, but spiritual oppression the enslavement that all of humanity finds itself in, that source of evil rooted within this world that God is seeking to purge out, deceiving and misleading us. All of this he has come to do and has done, not by the sword, but by taking his cross on his shoulders. And in his resurrection, he victoriously robbed the powers, their greatest weapon, which is death itself. You see, this is the reversal of the New York Times Christmas is what we find here. We find here the meaning of Christmas is that love has triumphed. And though we are unable to put this world of peace and unity together, to us, a child has been born. To us, a son has been given. You see, though we are unable to put together a world of unity and peace, to carry the government on our shoulders, the surprising twist that began 2000 years ago in that manger in the city of Bethlehem is that there, has, there is a human, this, this one who is God and human all at the same time that he is the one with shoulders strong enough to carry it all. And as he carries it, the surprising and glorious twist is how Jesus chooses to establish his kingdom. Not through having us simply wait until he returns, but by healing and renewing human beings. He now presents and proclaims his kingdom for real people in real ways in the real world. This means so much. This is the whole role of discipleship and the work of being a Christian is giving your whole life to discerning what it means. But might I suggest that Isaiah 9 tells us at the very least it means justice for the slave, for the indebted, the refugee, and the oppressed. That is the bare minimum Isaiah 9 seems to think. You see, we see throughout Isaiah, repeatedly he talks about this rule of the coming child King Jesus would mean justice and peace and joy increasing is the word that he uses. It is growing and multiplying throughout this world. And that is happening through you and me, through us. As we look with hope, as we look with love, as we look with joy to his return as we proclaim and present, as we announce and apply the good news of great joy, that there is a new king in town. 
And all of this is done in us and through us as we are upheld and directed as what Isaiah called the zeal of the Lord of hosts. God's own energy and enthusiasm and passion at work in and through us. 2020 has been a year of darkness. And 2021, for all of our optimism, offers no guarantees. There are great challenges that lie ahead globally, nationally, locally, familially, (laughs) congregationally within collective, and even personally within each of our hearts. But if it's Jesus's kingdom that we are seeking to increase through our presenting of what that kingdom looks like in proclaiming, speaking, and telling people the story, then here, as we come into Christmas, like we saw with Mary and Luke, we cannot treasure the meaning of Christmas enough. We cannot ponder in our hearts enough what it means to us. Like the shepherds, like the shepherds, we, we cannot make known enough to all that there is a new king in town and we cannot glorify and praise him enough that right here in this world, in the midst of humanity's brokenness and us continuing to load up the government and all of our expectation and hopes on every single person and thing around us other than the only one strong enough to shoulder it. We can look and see Jesus is the one who's waiting and willing to receive it and has. And so, like we sang a moment ago, oh, come, let us adore him, yes. And then, with that adoration, opening our eyes to his new kingdom at work in this world, putting into our minds and hearts a new vision of how things should be, could be, and will be, let us celebrate the fact that the government is upon his shoulders. And then, let us go into 2021 to face the darkness with news of a great light. Let's pray.